what drives me crazy is nouns being turned into verbs. What does it mean to ping someone? <laughs> I hate that one. <laughs> does that make sense? I hate the term synergy. I hate the term synergy with a passion. Oh, well, honey, can we just unpack this for a minute? I hate that expression. I hate that expression. The word that just started to drive me crazy a little bit is, is this term called controls. That's it right there. Welcome. I am your host, Dino Cattaneo, and you're listening to Authentic Leadership for Everyday People, the podcast where we investigate the connection between effective leadership and authenticity. If you're looking for inspiration and tips on how to become a better leader by bringing your true self, you're in the right place. This is something that I hope will become a 4th of July tradition. It's my second annual best of the business jargon that drives you crazy show. I did this last year and I really enjoyed it. And so I'm going to do it again. As you know, at the end of every interview, I ask my guests one question. In a world that is full of business cliche, expressions and jargon that is so overused that it ends up losing its meaning, which is the one that drives you crazy? The answers have been funny, they have been insightful, and mostly they have been funny and insightful. So I went back, I took all the answers between July and today, and I have compiled them into a single episode. I hope you will find it fun, and maybe it will inspire you to go back and check out the same episode from last year. In the meantime, enjoy this episode, have a great holiday, and come back next week when we go back to our regular programming. Let's kick this off by going back all the way to last summer, episode 15, Vikran Sharia, who gives us not one, but two things that drive him crazy. Two things which are very cliche. <laughs> so the first one is, and of course, one is personal and one is going to be in the business side. The personal thing would be, uh, I would say, time management. So basically, of course, this is kind of a very overused thing like time management. Basically, you can't manage time. Time just have 24 hours, like, and of course, it just goes as it is. Like, you can't control the time. You can't manage the time. It is as it is, right? You can't manage the sun. Maybe you could go inside your roof or inside or go under the tree. So what you're doing is you're managing yourself. You're not managing the sun. So again, here as well, you are not managing the time. It should be all about self-management. So you have to take care of self. And of course, for making sure that you are on time and whether you are able to do all of these things on the time, you have to manage yourself. And also managing yourself, let me define that. Managing yourself should be more about management of your energy, of your self-energy, right? So basically, like whenever we wake up, like we have certain energy or willpower, we have to control your senses. We have to know like exactly how to manage that. Maybe like walking out, maybe for half an hour, one hour, is going to really give you more energy. Eating the right kind of a food, like I'm completely vegan. I just eat uh, fruits and I just use 70% of my diet is completely raw. I don't eat packaged food, no smoking, no alcohol, nothing. Having all of these things, like make sure that I control my energy every day. Like there's a watch over here, a uh, smart band, like which every one and a half hours, it gives me a vibration and I have to do certain activities. Like, first of all, I do some kind of a stretching, right? 
just for one minute for 20 seconds, like I do some kind of a stretching, then I just take two or three long deep breath and just give it a try for one day. And it actually, like, even if you are working at maybe 12 a.m. or 1 a.m., you will feel energized. Like every one hour or one and a half hour, if you'll do that, you will feel energized. Basically, what it is like if you are working on desk, maybe six hours or 10 hours, your body is going to shrink. So every one hour or two hours, like if you'll do this, then of course, it is going to help you maintain your energy. So, yep, this is the cliche in the personal productivity management or something. Uh, the, the time management, of course, I, I don't believe in that. So now let's talk about the, the business side. I would say whenever I try to find new employees and whenever they say that they're multitaskers, I never hire them. So because you can't multitask, like you, you have to focus on one task at a time. And I have seen that like whenever I work on maybe having one hour or two hour fully focused on one task, like you are able to perform more. It's, it's a matter of prioritization. It's not about multitasking, like you are doing 10 things at a time. You will be, so again, like uh, there's a line in one of my favorite book, The One Thing by Gary Keller. It says that if you try to catch two rabbit, you end up catching none. These are the two business, uh, one of the business cliche and the, the personal side cliche I, would, I just wanted to mention. In episode 32, Kristen Yoshida took on a more serious topic and addressing being thoughtful about the original meaning of language or expressions that we use. Okay, I would be remiss to say, if I didn't say this, I think we need to be very conscious about how the roots of comments, and I will say, I'll preface this by saying, I have had some real faux pas if I look back, but now I'm I'm wanting people to understand when you say, let's open the kimono, this is one of the heritage one, you really shouldn't say that in the context of business. The roots are of, you know, imperialistic Japan, of which people today have views of geishas. And geishas were very high class, like artisans, but the West views them as in a different derogatory context. And I, as recently as a year ago, I was talking to somebody who used that phrase with me. And I was kind of like, I'm not sure what to say. But I thought I'd take the opportunity here for your listeners, please don't say that, because it creates this really weird situation. And you could say, oh, you're being too politically correct. But I do think in this current era, of equality and words matter. I think if you're not informed, I think it it takes away from a leader when they use that terminology or terminology like that. There's so many out there. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying we need to be a little bit more conscious about what we say. On a much lighter note, I had a pretty funny conversation with Mike Horn in episode 28 about a very specific expression that we use every day. What does it mean to ping someone? <laughs> <laughs> I hate that one. <laughs> yeah, like, if he's like, oh, you're going to ping me? Yeah. <laughs> I never thought about it. Yeah. It's like being on the other end of being pinged may not necessarily be something good. <laughs> I yeah. love that. 
There was a time at uh, maybe early on in Genentech. I was uh, there for a while. And uh, Art Levinson, who was the CEO, he, I think you can find this, uh, there's some internet lore around this. He had a game he called Buzzword Bingo. <laughs> and uh, Art, you know, who built a super successful company in uh, Genentech and, you know, as the chairman at Apple and as a member of the board at Google, I mean, has participated in some of the most successful launches in technology that we've seen in the world. Yeah, he had a... <laughs> you would play this game so that you would know not to say any of these words around him. And ping was one of them. And that, that was certainly one that stuck with me. Or I think another might've been a hitch back with that or something like that. And staying in the realm of familiar colloquialism in episode 33, Kristen Standish had a particularly funny take on another one. Does that make sense? Does it make sense? Does that make sense? Does it make sense? <laughs> it's so condescending. I hate it. People say that all the time. Oh, does that make sense? Am I making sense? That's it right there. And speaking of expressions that may be used by people who don't necessarily have great intentions, Bill Principali reminded us of one of those recently in episode 40. It's one that's always driven me crazy on the business side. And it's this. It's not personal. It's just business. That makes me nuts. For me, that's just an excuse to act badly. That's it. I mean, you know, some people try to liken that to tough love, and I, I think that's erroneous. I mean, tough love, as we do for our children, it's coming from love, uh, you know, and we're disciplining them, et cetera. But when people say it's not personal, it's just business, nine times out of 10, I see someone doing something that is not out of love, it's not out of compassion, that it is truly a negative emotion or something that is that is not, well, I'll just say, let me just say negative. But they're using the word business as an excuse because that covers it all. That drives me crazy. That is an excellent point. I think it's most time it's like it's coming out of self-love and self-interest. Yes. <laughs> yes. And in some cases, it's totally malicious indeed. <laughs> In episode 30, Roger Brown gave us an interesting dissertation on why people may use these words and gave us a whole bunch of great examples, finishing with a good one. You know, I would say it, uh, almost all of them drive me a little bit crazy. One of my heroes is Richard Feynman. And Richard Feynman wrote a couple books for lay people that are fantastic. And in one of them, he says, if you ask a scientist to explain something to you, and you're a reasonably smart layperson, and he or she explains it a couple of times and you still don't get it, that doesn't mean you're dumb. It means they don't really understand it themselves. And when you hear people spewing business jargon all the time, I think that's often an indicator that they themselves don't know what they're talking about. And the jargon is often contradictory. I mean, the, the example I used once when I taught some business school students is, you always hear people say, look before you leap. And then you hear people say, he or she who hesitates is lost. Well, which is it? Because you, know? <laughs> you, you can't do both at the same time. So each circumstance requires a different response. I think the particular phrase that I hear so much that kind of drives me crazy is like seeing around corners. We have an amazing need to ascribe brilliance to people. 
And I think a, a social scientist or someone who's more detached would say, you know, someone's going to win the Super Bowl. It doesn't mean they were necessarily the best team, the smartest team, the best coach team. Sometimes thing, people get lucky. Out of all the teams in the league, someone is going to win every year. There's no mystery to that. So, you know, when you, when you think about prognosticating the future, someone's always going to have been able to predict the future. The question is, can they do it the next year and the year after that and the year after that? So I think some a certain amount of humility and respect for the randomness of life, for the, the role that luck and chance play, those are important things. And I think this business jargon often gets in the way and presumes that, I don't know, that people are so smart that they've somehow figured everything out. I don't buy that. Now, let's have a reality check here for a second. At some point, we all have used a cliche or a jargon or a business expression. And so the honesty prize goes to Kerr Landon, who started his answer in episode 39 by actually acknowledging that. Well, I have to admit to you that I am the worst at this. So my team would tell you that they have all, that I have all of these curtisms and my own jargon. So we have a joke within Inspira that every day I have to say Venn diagram at least five times. And I say nuanced and textured and I have my own jargon. So I'm probably not justified in critiquing any jargon because I commit these sins every day. I think maybe the one that drives me crazy a little bit is lean in. And the reason why, I mean, look, I think incredibly highly of Sheryl Sandberg personally and professionally, and she's been an incredible person who I've looked up to. So I don't want to take anything away from that. But I think the terminology has become somewhat abused and bastardized. And what bothers me is when I've seen, in some cases, leaders who have been critical of her or her books or who are also not true leaders from a, you know, women's leadership or diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging perspective, but who love to use the term lean in. And then you ask them three questions about what they mean by that. And it's kind of a house of cards. So I think I that one irritates me when it's kind of used and abused uh, in the wrong ways. And it's just, I mean, there are people who are saying it 20 times a day, and there's something about it that feels a bit inauthentic. So the, the expression itself doesn't bother me, but the way people often use it and who's using it sometimes is a bit uh, irritating to me. Now, in some cases, there may not be a single expression. There may be a whole category of expressions or practices. And that's what Debspar mentioned in episode 18. What drives me crazy is nouns being turned into verbs. Uh, you may remember there was a moment in time, although I've given up this charge, I can't stand people using incentivize as a verb. I used to make students stand against the wall if they used incentive in a verb as any form, disincentivize, reincentivize. I've given up. I have lost that fight. But I'm seeing it, you know, level set. Level set should not be a verb. It's a noun. Pivot. I mean, that one, okay, was sort of always a noun and a verb, but I refuse to take any perfectly good noun and turn it into a verb for no reason. Mohansian, in episode 34, also took a slightly different tack at the question, and he addressed, rather than expressions or cliches, he addressed a couple of ideas or concepts that are maybe a little misunderstood or not properly embraced in business. This idea of failure is something I grapple with. And what does that mean? And is it okay to fail? I guess it's okay to fail. 
for me, it's not okay to fail. I, I don't mind making mistakes and learning from it, but I define failing slightly differently. So make mistakes quickly and learn from it. But it's def- for us, it's definitely not okay to fail. And I like that to change slightly. And, and also this idea, and I do, it, I do some mentoring with actually London Business School and, and this whole idea of entrepreneurship. It's slightly overlooked that it's not that glamorous <laughs> and it's quite hard work. So making sure that the younger people that come up through the ranks really know whether it's a fit for them or not and what, what it means to be an entrepreneur the lifestyle that it comes with, some of the joys and tribulations. Those are the things I would love, you know, the Generation Z to to get to know. This was a season where I decided that in order to be authentic, I had to share more about myself with you. And so I was interviewed by a guest in two episodes, 20 and 21. And at the end of episode 21, I answered the question myself. So the one that, like a, a keyword from the last five to 10 years that has really bothered me is the, overuse of wanting to be a disruptor. And it is not that I don't acknowledge the fact that great companies have been born out of, you know, being disruptors and being successful, but it's the idea that the main reason why there are disruptors is that not everybody can be a disruptor. And that if we focus everybody on being a disruptor, we end up setting everybody on a road to failure. And I think that while it is great to be wanting, you know, to build a disruptor company and a unicorn, those also tend to be zero-sum game things. And I think the majority of the people needs to think about different ways to operate and maximize their life and professional life. And, and it goes back also to setting up the right success metrics for yourself. And the other thing, is, I think with a lot of the keywords, the thing that bothers me the most is the fact that a keyword becomes a trendy keyword and people start using it without really thinking of the implication. And then my other pet peeve, which is a little childish, but like if you are putting in your LinkedIn description that you are a ninja or a guru at something, you are not. Because especially the guru moniker, you don't give yourself. Other people give to you. This season, I also interviewed my wife, Susan. And in episode 36, she gave us her answer, which interestingly was the same answer that was given to us last year by another songwriting professor and instructor. Oh, well, honey, can we just unpack this for a minute? I hate that expression. I hate that expression. Oh, my God. And the worst part is that like, it's a good expression because it's like, you know, we have something that we haven't discussed. Let's discuss it. But the idea of like, you know, initially when I heard that, I was like, that's a really cool thing. The idea of like unpacking, thinking of it in a metaphor sense of like a suitcase that we unzip and take out all whatever clothing discussions we have to do. But it's been so overused. I just hate it. Every time I hear it, I hate it. <laughs> now, I shouldn't be surprised that certain terms come up more than once. So we're going to go into this season and let's start with a term that came up a couple of times and the first time with Matt Wiegler in episode 14. There's a thing that people do in business, not just in business, but everywhere, which is people like to create these acronyms for things. And that's okay if you're in an industry where you're 100% sure that everybody knows what it means. Like everybody knows what HR means. Like, okay, fine. But I was on a meeting with somebody the other day, and he was like a he was a senior manager at a big company. He was trying trying to sell me something, right? And his job title was senior manager of 
if he listens to this, I, you know, uh, let's call it XYZ, right? Is an acronym. And I said to him, I, I said, what, is, what does XYZ stand for? And he says, to be honest with you, I don't know. So I said, well, you know, I don't think I'm going to buy anything from you until you can at least tell me what your own job title means, right? I mean, it's like, but that happens all over the place, right? People hear this, this kind of jargony stuff or these abbreviations, these acronyms. And what happens is that the inherent meaning gets diminished, right? It's like the Wiggly Group business, the, maybe the simplest way to describe it is that we have outsourced sales development representatives or business development representatives. And maybe if you're talking about it, like if you go to a vice president of sales at a software company, you say SDR, then I'm pretty sure they're going to know what I mean by that. But if I say SDR to just any of the people that are our prospective clients, like business owners, it's not a given that they understand exactly what I mean by that acronym, what it stands for. And what I've seen is that a lot of people are too shy to ask because they're worried that it's going to make them look bad to say, stop, what does SDR stand for? So I don't take the risk. I, I, you know, I, I just spell it out because that can really screw up your communication when people are pretending to know what it is and then forgetting to look it up after the meeting. <laughs> In episode 27, Brandon Arding also mentioned acronyms, but his take was a little different and he actually added on to that. What, what's frustrated me over the years is just, well, it's not a frustration, but it's learning the new acronyms in each place that you go to. I think that's the thing that's probably my key frustration. It's just the amount of acronyms in the military. And so when you bounce around between the Navy and the Marine Corps, each place has its own unique culture and its own unique acronyms. And so it's like learning a new language each time I move. So coming to my current assignment, the word that's just started to drive me crazy a little bit is, is this term called controls, which means your budget. You know, it's like, oh, well, these are our controls and this is the controls. And that term just, I don't know, it kind of has, just has like this onerous feeling like these are the controls. So I guess that's my current one. Some people don't like acronyms in general. Some people don't like one specific acronym. And that was the case of Dory Clark in episode 22. Well, you know, I, I try not to get too worked up about about anything, but I will say I remember for a long time I was confused about what KPIs meant. Like I'm just like, why? Why? Like you could just say your met you know, your metrics. Like KPI just seems like a kind of random thing to have been coined as an acronym. At this point, you may be wondering over the course of the two season, which one was the most used word? Well, Funnily, it came out in episode one when Rush Kapoor used it. And we have three great examples in this season, starting with Randy Wilburn from episode 19. Synergy. <laughs> if I hear the word synergy one more time, I swear I'm going to throw my computer. I mean, you, you, you see it in business speak. You see it in everybody's website. You know, you see it uh, from the boardroom, the the word synergy. I mean, there's so many catchphrases and cliche words that we hear over and over again that really ultimately, you know, at one point in time, I think the word synergy meant something. Now it doesn't. It's like synergy. Well, what is that? You know, and it's like, I don't think that people look at it the same way that they should. Yes. Is it a, an important word? Absolutely. Is it? It's wildly overused, though. 
I think it's wildly overused both in, in business correspondence as well as just on, you know, in websites and, and other things of that nature. So it's a word that I just, I abhor. And even intentional is a word that I'm starting to overuse now. And I'm like, maybe I need to ratchet back that word and, and find something else. You know, Roger's thesaurus is actually very helpful and it can show you a lot of synonyms out there that could be, um, you know, maybe more palatable to the ear. It's pretty funny how a word like synergy, the biggest power is actually to generate this instant gut reaction. And you will hear some of that at the beginning of Jason Greer's answer from episode 31st. But then Jason actually came up with another habit that we have as we communicate. And he had some pretty good advice on a completely separate topic from synergy. Gosh, I hate the term synergy. I hate the term synergy with a passion. Because I'm like, what exactly does that mean? <laughs> I, I hate synergy and I hate um. And when I say I hate um, it's always when somebody wants to give bad news or they're trying to phrase it in such a way. And I say this to my consultants all the time. If you're speaking to a client and you have to give them bad news, don't start out with um, I like to talk to you. No, just cut to the chase and get there. I think that in corporate America, we spend so much time trying to make sure that what we say comes across the right way, as opposed to saying what really needs to be said. And here is Jackie Hermes from episode 24, also coming back with her guttural reaction and first word she thinks she hates, it's synergy. But then she has another expression that it's getting a little overused and annoying in corporate America. Oh, anytime someone says the word synergy, I'm like, please, no, skip that one. Loop back, I think. I said that today and I was like, no, 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 no. I think there, there are some terms that people just say over and over and they say them so much that they lose meaning. So I don't know that I have like a pet peeve, but some of them I hear and I'm like, we should retire that from your vocabulary probably. <laughs> Now, while I'm not surprised of how many times I heard the expression synergy, I have to confess that I was a little surprised about another expression. And I was surprised not by the amount of time that it came up, but the fact that it came up for the first time in episode three with Rishato Bakawala, and it didn't come up again until episode 35 when Jonathan Jacobs mentioned it. You know, one thing that's been kind of gnawing at me a little bit, and it's kind of timely due to COVID is this idea of the new normal. You know, you hear that all over television or podcasts or books, whatever your, your media medium is, you know, and it kind of makes me chuckle because, you know, change is really the nature of all things, right? The universe is in constant motion. Every, literally every cell in your body is changing on a, on a moment by moment basis. So change really is is the basis of all things. And it's kind of one of the great, I don't know, uh, juxtapositions of life in that people are fearful and anxious and afraid of change a lot, even though it literally is the nature of themselves and all we do. So this idea that we're in a new normal or that what we're, we're feeling now is either new or normal I find that to be a little bit irksome because uh, there really is no new and there really is no normal. So I, I don't know if that's the kind of answer you're looking for, but that's one that hits me. With the mention of the new normal, we finished the section of 
expressions that came up more than once. And we go to episode 29. Mary Alice Morrow shares with us a specific naming convention from the military that puzzles her and a word that is way overused, not just in business, but in many areas of life. There was one in the military I could never get, I just could never get my my, uh, buy-in for it. And that is the word we use for bathroom, which is head. Got to go to the head. I just could never, I could never like that. But more recently, the word like drives me absolutely crazy. And can someone use a sentence without that word three, four, five, six times? And it's a a symptom of the larger social media jargon that we have started to use, I think, that prevents really good and deeper conversations. And that kind of bugs me. The question, what is a business expression that drives you crazy, may seem silly or superficial at first look. But the reason why I've loved asking it throughout the show now for over a year and a half is that very often I get back insightful, thoughtful questions that even sometimes cause me to reflect on are there things that I may want to change in the way that I run my life or my business? And so I'm going to leave you at the end of this episode with a great answer by a young and way mature beyond his year CEO, Marcio Schena, who was my guest in episode 37. I, I think, I mean, I was thinking about the concept of blockchain or NFTs, kind of technical terms that right now are really overused. You find reports about NFTs everywhere, everywhere. And, uh, but something that I really, I, I think is kind of a more, kind of a longer, I, I've seen this word coming, surfacing here and there for longer time is the concept of work-life balance, which is, I mean, it's very comfort to speak about this topic, right? But I really hate kind of demonizing work, demonizing life in one way or the other. And so you, this concept of balance that you need to find, you need to make sure that I mean, at the end of the day, my philosophy is that you, you need to make something work as a founder. You need to make something work as an employee. You need to make, sometimes you really make, need to make something work, either your life or your, or your work. So sometimes, sorry for, can I use bad words? Fuck the balance. I mean, just go with what is necessary. Just do whatever it takes. Just go, I mean, be driven. And then, of course, there will come the moment in which you will find more balance or whatever, but it cannot become an obsession. I've seen instead some some very good people that could give a lot and that instead were, no, but I need to, at 6, at 6 p.m., for example, I need to go home because I need to find something for myself. I mean, I think that elasticity, flexibility is something that at work and is very, very important as well as in your life. And so I mean, it's kind of controversial for sure. But... Yeah, it's, it's a word that I actually don't really like sometimes because it's, uh, it's just a shield because behind something else. I think. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, find a friend who may enjoy it and tell them they should listen to it. And if you really like the show, tell your friends and post about it on social media. Everything helps. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on your favorite listening platform so you don't miss any episode. And if you listen on a platform that allows reviews, please leave a rating or a review. And remember, I'm going to send a free copy of Bill Principale's book, Improvisational Leadership, to the author of my favorite review left on Apple Podcasts between June and July. You can find me online at al4ep.com with the number four, and you can email me at dino at al4ep.com. On Twitter and Instagram, look for at al4edp, and on Facebook, look for Authentic Leadership for Everyday People. That's the show page. This episode was produced by me, Dino Cattaneo, with additional edits by Pro Podcast Solutions. 
It was recorded remotely using Squadcast.fm. The theme music was composed, produced, and arranged by Nicolas Catania, who also played keyboards and drums, with Tony Savarino on guitar and Jesse Williams on bass. And since we are celebrating 4th of July, I am once again closing the show with Susan Catania's song, Watching the Spark Fly. Enjoy! Star shooting by, watching the spark. 